Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. I'm Alex Gehring, and my wonderful co-host is currently out, and that means that it's just one-on-one with me and KCRAR president, Michael Pierce. So you get both presidents today. We're just going to talk back and forth a little bit with one another and maybe give you a couple of ideas of how we see the industry evolving, what we see in the future of KCRAR, and uh, how we think you can best utilize your membership. Um, and hopefully it's a valuable conversation. So Michael, how are, how are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing just fine. I'm actually working from home at the moment. We just had a, a new baby girl. Her name's Margot Ray. So that happened on uh, December 31st right before the you know tax people kept on telling me like you want to get the kid before the end of the year for tax reasons which is the only reason why i had a kid uh, another one so so that's good news for me i guess from what i've been told well yeah that was going to be one of the questions i floated out there do, you know what did you do this holiday did you have fun <laughs> did you do anything life changing yeah that that was it that was it that was the holiday we didn't yeah. go anywhere we didn't do anything we had a baby we opened presents. You had a baby. And there you go. I, I think it's customary. If Bobby was here, I would imagine she'd want to know, you know, it's height and weight. Yeah. So actually it was crazy. So she was identical to her sister. It was the weirdest thing in the world. So had the same length measurement, which was uh, 19 and a half, had the same weight, which was seven pounds, five ounces, and then had the same waist circumference or chest circumference. I don't remember what that measurement is because I'm not that much of a weirdo. Um, and I mean, same strawberry on her eye, like that she's got a little birthmark on her eye like her sister did. Um, it, it's crazy. They, they don't really look alike, but there are so many similarities. It's, it's, a, little, it's a little wild, so... Well, you're, you're very consistent and I normally wouldn't, wouldn't ask the height and weight, but I figured that's probably something Bobby would have done. I remember when I had my son 14 years ago, people would ask me that all the time. And I understand why you, you do that, but I, I know, don't, I was, why I, explain it to me? Why do they do that? What, what, who, the, who, who cares? Maybe they're going to take the baby and uh, enter into a fishing contest later that day or something. <laughs> I really want to win this fishing contest. How big is that baby? we don't do it with any we don't do it with anything else you're not like what'd you do this weekend i got married he's uh you know five five two one ten tiny little thing you know we don't do that we should though i mean i think that's what uh you know maybe that makes sense oh was he a preemie no he showed up to the church today he was supposed to <laughs> not, not mine mine was a chunky monkey mine was a chunky monkey he was, he was the biggest, he was the biggest groom at Caesar's palace that weekend. The biggest groom at Caesar's palace. <laughs> I mean, I just think it is weird. The, the, it's a strange much- thing to ask, but you know, I, you have to know, see, that's the worst part of it is that like, not only is it kind of a strange thing to ask, but you know that everybody's going to, so you have to commit it to memory. I mean, and, and if you don't, you look like the world's worst dad just because I can't remember that she was 19 and a half inches long. It's, it's uh, 14 years later, and I still have to remember, because if I go like, I don't know, he's like, this, about this. <laughs> like, what's wrong with this guy? Well, it's officially 2022. So we are both presidents. 
but you are a slightly more important president than I am. I so that. <laughs> so just how do you feel coming into 2022? I mean, you've been you've been HMLS president before. You've done all sorts of things with the association over your uh, over the course of your career. How are you feeling uh, being the president of KCRIR in 2022? I and be feel- honest, I know what your answer is. I feel like I'm here to do a job. <laughs> um, so to say like, oh, I feel wonderful or something. I'm here to do something to, to work, um, which I enjoy doing. Uh, I will say comparatively to when, back up, backing up for a second, when you said I'm a more important, slightly more important president than you, I don't see it that way because for years, the MLS, you know, was seen as like the, the second fiddle when, I don't believe that to be the case. I believe them to be equally as important. And some may argue, uh, as far as usership is concerned, the MLS gets, I mean, people have to have that every day to survive if you're doing this business day in and day out. So don't sell yourself short. Uh, I do think I'm here to do a job, though. And uh, what about what about you, your presidency? Well, I'm, I'm, you and I have talked actually quite a bit about this. I don't feel like it's about uh, pomp and circumstance. I don't think that's what, what this whole thing's about. We're facilitating a conversation. And so to be honest with you, I feel, I feel relatively unchanged, um, other than I can't be quite as vocal because at this point, my opinion is kind of, I mean, not that it can't be expressed, but my opinion is not, uh, you can't dictate that so much as president right? That's not really the idea. You're just there to facilitate a conversation and make sure that everybody's ideas are heard and guide the group through the journey of making the decisions that are best for the membership. I agree. And that's, I think that's really important when you take the role that you are currently in and the role I'm in, because a lot of people, it's just by habit, you know, they don't mean anything by it, but people often ask, what are you going to do for your year? What are you going to do for your year? First of all, it's not my year. I don't own the company. I don't make the decision the board of directors mm-hmm. does, but really what we should be focused on is what are the needs of the member, in your case, your subscribers. And that shouldn't change regardless of the president. It shouldn't be me coming in saying, wow, if I could just accomplish this little pet project I have, then it'll make me look so great for my year. That's not right. what it's about. Listen to what the people need on the ground and let us focus on making a decision that's best for those as many amount of those people as we can. Yeah, we're there to serve the the not only the members but the the board. I mean, we're we're there to help them uh, make it through. And the reality is that if I show up to a meeting with uh, some kind of an initiative that I want to push forward, it could get shut down in the very first executive meeting. And I've got to be okay with that. So I, I, I'm with you. I, that's all. It's another one of those uh, questions that people ask, but it's not uh, necessarily. It's not an easy one to answer. Uh, I think you and I agree that our goal is just to facilitate a conversation. Absolutely, we have a strategic plan. Yep. We have a focus, and we just have to do our best to make sure we continue to focus on achieving the most amount possible during our time the board of directors to move forward with what the strategic plan that's been laid out three years prior has dictated uh, that we should be focused on. Now, this is a strategic planning year, right? 
Yes, correct. Yeah. So, so talk about that process just a little bit. I know it's different uh, for MLS and for KCRAR. We kind of break apart for that. Uh, what part of that process uh, do you most enjoy? You talk a lot, a lot about strategic planning um, and how that's what we're supposed to follow. Just talk a little bit more about that process. Well, with the every year we have new leadership from president to the board of directors, people come in, come and go. It's just part of how the structure of both of our organizations is. And it's important that every couple of years we sit down and say, no matter who's coming and going, they understand you can jump right in onto the board of directors and know that this is the path that we're supposed to be focused on. This is what initiatives that we believe for the long term. Um, should be accomplished in order to continue to move the organization forward. And what we normally do as far as logistics of that is, and I may have the days messed up. It could be two days, could be three. I can't remember exactly, but we sit down and normally the MLS, it seems like an eternity. No, Yeah. It's a long time. <laughs> it is. I think it is two and a half days. And we, we sit down each group separately hammers out what their initiatives are um, what they're trying to accomplish in the long, in the, I guess it'd be the, the three-year term and how, what, what you should be focused on to get to your objectives, uh, what paths you need to take, what things you should be looking for. And then towards the end of the process, the MLS board of directors and leadership and the ML or KCRR leadership get together and we try and we discuss what each of our intentions are and see how they intertwined with one another. So we're running parallel instead of in opposite directions of one another. Strategic planning, especially with COVID for, for the last couple of years that we've been going through this, it seems like such an interesting thing to me because when we wrote the strategic plan that's, that will have served us for three years, we had no idea that seven months after writing that strategic plan, we would be entering into lockdown with COVID. And yet what's really cool about that process is that obviously there were other things that we had to do. There were other things that we had to implement when we were going through all of that. And when we, we still are, let's be honest, um, there are other things that we had to do, but ultimately we stayed focused largely on our, on our strategic planning goals. And I feel like we, we knocked most of them out. Uh, is there anything, uh, and what's missing? What have we not done yet? I'm not even sure. We knocked everything out. I think we did. We took care of a lot of initiatives. I also, I don't want us to get complacent by saying, because it's very easy. You hear it a lot where it's like, we just do everything awesome. We're great. Right. Everything's amazing. I think that's easy for us to become complacent. So there's not one thing we currently do in KCRER or at HMLS that can't be improved upon. That's right. So even if we, to answer your question, yes, we accomplished a lot that we set out to do. At the same time, we should continue to actively look at what we just implemented or what we're doing currently and understand that none of that is perfected. It's a constant progression. And it's up to us to make sure that we look at everything we're doing and say, how can we do that better for the needs of the member or the subscribers? Absolutely. Now I've got, we, uh, there's a, you know, John McKenzie. Yes. John McKenzie famously feels like, uh, if you're really going to do a strategic plan, you need to do it almost quarterly 
because the industry moves so fast. And I, I obviously, I think that's an interesting perspective and, and I understand what he's saying with that. But the reason why it's so spread out to my understanding, and I'm curious if you agree, but I think the reason why it's so spread out is so that we do stay focused on the bigger picture and we're not getting into the, uh, the minutia, you know, too, too terribly much. I agree. I, I think that it's very easy. If we did it annually, let's say, with the turnover, appropriately so. We have new voices, new people involved that weren't involved before, new opinions. At the same time, it's easy that every we'd be completely running in circles around productive because every year we're just going to flip everything over and go in a completely different path. The next group of leadership comes in a year later and says, no, forget that. Let's go left instead of right. Whatever the case is, you're just constantly ruminating and, and spinning in circles year and year and year, depending on who the leadership is. Since we do it every three years, at least you have a general roadmap that the leadership can change, but everyone comes in understanding that this is the, this is the long-term path that we've considered going on. And to your point, COVID comes into play and all the, you have to make, you know, you have to shift and make changes throughout that process, but we still have a long-term roadmap we're going to or an objective we're going to rather than every six months let's completely upend what we just worked three years on right right or or the president doesn't like this anymore so he wants to revisit the strategic plan now it doesn't work that way no correct Um, on the the mls side i know this is this is your show and i'm just i'm just here in your mom's basement you know on your podcast with you but what? In my mom's basement? What? What are? Get out of there right now! <laughs> what are you? What are you doing there? You know, when I hear, you know, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? First thing I think of is, you know, I'm going to go to someone's basement, and <laughs> <laughs> if I talk too loud, will your mom yell at us? No, just kidding. But um, I know this is your show. But on the MLS side, what what do you see coming up in the near future this year during your tenure as president? Yeah, you know, I think that there are, there are a lot of things that we've been dealing with for the last couple of years that I think are likely to uh, come to a head. And, and uh, I, I think you know, if you look at the general um, feeling about our industry uh, across the country, not only among the public, but with our participants and uh, with association members, there are a lot of I mean, it's just like everything else in in the world right now. People don't all agree on the right way to go, or we're facing inevitabilities that we want to ignore and pretend aren't aren't coming. And and I really do think that there are going to be some major things that are that, you know, we're really going to have to consider. Uh, And for instance, not to get too, you know, I want to be careful not to make this too uh, you know, work E is supposed to be a little bit fun, but you know, you've got major franchisers that are, um, coming out and saying that, uh, our entire compensation, uh, program is gonna, is gonna change, uh, the way that, the way that buyers agents are compensated is it needs to change. They're coming and inserting themselves into that discussion. And whether you believe that that's the, the case or not, You've got major players that are really trying to change the way that we do things. Um, and we're all impacted by that. 
Um, and those are things that we need to look at. I, I think that uh, we're, we're foolish if we think that our industry isn't going to change, um, at least on paper, in the next few years. I don't really think that the whole world is going to explode. There's nothing like that coming. I just think that we're going to have to pivot and change the way that we talk about certain things, specifically surrounding uh, buyer agent compensation. I agree. I could see. And whether it be if you're an agent listening to this or a broker or you're in the leadership with KCRR HMLS, I think it this what I'm about to say pertains to all levels of that. Our industry will change, of course. It will con- continually, it has, and it will continually to do so, maybe even uh, at a higher velocity than it has in the past. And you, it's very easy to get wrapped up in the change and think, oh, fear. I'm afraid of the change. What does that mean right. for me? Am I going to be out of a job as an agent? Am I going to be out of a job as a broker or as an association leadership team member or an MLS? Is something going to replace me? I don't see it that way. The way I look at it is I encourage the competition. If someone or something is out there disrupting my business on any level that I'm involved in, then it's up to me to adjust and overcome and get better. So I either, I either decide that I'm going to sit around and die or I continue to get better and continue to improve. So while on the MLS side, as an example, not to, to speak, speak on, on your end, but on the MLS side, they are constantly saying there's going to be maybe disruptors in the MLS industry as a whole that'll come out and completely upend the way MLSs operate or, you know, have a higher competition level. I am not, if I was, well, I am on the MLS you board for one more year, but but, but um, I'll say it, it's not the boogeyman. You know, we don't we don't need to freak out every time. Yes, I'm not worried about that. No. Whatever happens will force us to become better. We have to. So if I, I encourage competition, I encourage the change. And if we can look at everything and be honest with ourselves and say, okay, this is what's happening. This is how it's changing our industry. This is how it's gaining traction or momentum. How do we change in order to leapfrog that or at least stay in lockstep with that so that we become better and our value proposition increases? I think that that's the way to look at it, not in some fear mongering way like, you know, the sky is falling. Absolutely. I think that all of the discussions that that are being had, it's nothing to be afraid of. It's an, I see it, all of it as an opportunity to make ourselves better. And the reality is that a lot of these conversations are conversations that we I mean, some things we just maybe haven't been doing right. And maybe we haven't been thinking about it correctly. And so I think that it's, I think that these conversations uh, can, and the things that are, that might be coming in the next couple of years, we should see them as opportunities to uh, serve the public better or to serve our agents better, serve our members and subscribers better, whatever your role may be. I think it's, uh, I, I see it as kind of an exciting time. I uh, Change progression is exciting to me. Yeah. Any, anytime you're stagnant or just status quo, I find that to be boring. And um, I, I don't like that. I personally like the progression part of our business, every aspect of our business, uh, forcing ourselves to progress or choosing to progress, whichever, whatever the initiator was, uh, I do find the progression part to be uh, the most exciting piece of all of this. I agree. So I, you kind of alluded to some of it earlier. Uh, but you know, you've, 
we, we talked about the fact that you were MLS president compared to that time compared to when you were MLS president was, which was when COVID, I mean, you were president uh, the year that COVID kind of whole, that whole thing started, I guess, not technically it's COVID 19. And for us, it started in 20 and that's when you were there, you know what I mean? Correct. So with that kind of uh, with that sort of being the majority, do you, do you feel like that's what your MLS presidency was primarily focused on was COVID or was there something else in uh, that, that happened that year that really sticks out to you as a, as a point of pride? Well, that pride's not the right word, but you yeah. know what I mean? No, I know what you mean. I was getting ready to mention, uh, well, I don't know about prideful, but. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, I know. I can anticipate that with you. Uh, so <laughs> the thing that's interesting and to Aunt, your, Aunt, your question brings up uh, a lot of, a lot to focus on back what we talked about earlier because we said let's you can't come in with an initiative as to say I, this is my year as president and blah like we talked about earlier and not only is it not best for subscribers and members it's you can't anticipate what you might be up against because you just don't know and the example or the question that you you asked me about my presidency coming into that as you recall, two or three months, two months before my presidency started, clear cooperation policy was passed mm-hmm. by NAR, which for sure we thought was going to be the biggest thing that we're going to have to implement that's and good. deal with in 2020. And, and was going to save the industry. <laughs> yes, that's, yeah, that's the other aspect. So this may be a long conversation. But, um, <laughs> but what do you know, a month and a half into the year that I was president, COVID outbreak comes out, shutdowns, you know, everything that we all went through. So basically that we had to, sh- to pivot from this clear cooperation being such a major part of what we're going to have to deal with this year to obviously COVID is number one priority, getting information out, educating people, learning ourselves what the rules are and how can we continue to operate. So that is a great example as to why you really can't come into the year saying this is what we're going to accomplish this is my deal though right. it's you know you've heard this saying a thousand times with mike tyson everyone has plans till they get punched in the mouth and that's really what happens sometimes the world especially in the mls side i feel that the association side now covid was different association took a major lead in that uh, as far as the rules and what we're going to do and what's allowed and not allowed but um, especially on the MLS side, things are changing so rapidly that you, as the president of the MLS, may have no idea what you have to react to in six months. That's right. But you're going to find out. Yeah, that'll be the punch in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is there something that you remember, though, from that year that wasn't COVID related that that stands out to you, though? Or, or is it pretty much COVID? COVID was the, a big time consumption. Um, Clear cooperation was a big initiative that we had to implement. Yeah, I remember working on trying to make sure that people actually paid attention to our communication about clear cooperation since it was happening right in the middle of of lockdown, basically. Yes, and even today, well, as you know, a lot of good things happened from NAR's directive of clear cooperation. And at the same time, you can look at it today and I would 
as as a broker, I would ask, is it less complicated than what we were doing previously? And I don't know that that answer to be yes or no. Yeah, like like you said before, nothing ever ceases to be able to be improved upon. You can always we can always make it better. Correct. That's I think that's accurate. I think that's accurate. Well, so what uh what I'm curious over the course of your career, have there been any mentors that have that have stood out to you and and I'm curious about that aspect of your professional life. Oh, okay. We're gonna go down memory lane yeah. here. Yeah, let's go down memory lane. I wanna who who influenced you, Michael? Who why why are we stuck with this crap right now with you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who did, who, did this, who did this to us? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, what's you wouldn't be, you're not a, a gray, gray beard old real estate person unless you say how long you've been in real estate, right? So I'm coming up on 21 years uh, in two months. And for the first, I don't know, eight years or so, I just kind of floated along. I mean, really focused on production and trying to learn what I was doing. And it wasn't until about 12 or 13 years ago, I got involved on the association and MLS side. But um, I, of course, a lot of people helped me throughout that. And um, I picked up, stole ideas from everybody along the way, tried to sponge off of everyone as much as possible. But I would say the one person that probably impacted my career the most is Mike Ferry. When I got with Mike Ferry, it was that was the punch in the mouth. Like, oh, I, I was complacent because I had been doing this for seven or eight years and thought I knew, I thought I knew so much. And it was in a way arrogance and complacency. And he upended my idea of the way I look at business, the way I look at even today on the KCRR and MLS leadership side, the way I make decisions, what I think we should focus on as far as decision-making process, um, what's important to the members. He really helped me with a lot of that. So tell me about that. What was that? What was this a, was this a weekly thing? Tell, tell me more about Mike Ferry. I was in his coaching, which is, um, I was in his, I forget what, what it was called. This is not a pitch by the way. Now it's going to sound. No, like, no. Yeah. But I was in his coaching and it was uh, once a week, once a week uh, premier coaching. I think it's 30 minutes once a week. And of course you go to the sales retreats and, I was doing, um, I mean, we're, we do a lot of practicing. So every morning I was part of a group through Mike Ferry that at, I don't remember what time it was, uh, Kansas, Missouri time, but I think it was like six 30 in the morning. I'd get on the phone every morning, uh, with someone. Di- oh, it was once a, it was once a day in the morning, except for every week you change to someone else. And we would just bat ideas back and forth handle objections, talk about how we're growing our business. And that throughout between that and the coaching um, really opened my eyes to probably how we should operate and the ways, because we talk about psychology, financial planning, objection handling, uh, thoughts on the business, the way you should operate a business in general, and the way you should run a real estate business. Um, that's, That's basically the gist of it. That's awesome. So is there a discount code that you wanted to provide? Or that you'd like type in Michael Pierce at checkout and he's going to be 40% you off. Yeah. Just, you know, use the, use the uh, discount code. He's getting ready to beat you up. 
because that and that is what um, at times it's at times it's easy to allow your ego to try to to try to protect you and um, to think if if there's any ideas out there and this is good for the KCIR HMLS side as well if there's any ideas out there that challenge my way of thinking it's easy psychologically for me to say well in order for me to be right and to protect my ego I can just put a barrier up and say no that's just not the way it, that's not the way I think that's not the way it should be done yeah and especially in what we're doing on the KCIR MLS side I think it's important to remove that ego and say, oh my gosh, the way I was thinking can be challenged. It doesn't mean that I was doing it wrong. It means, again, here's an opportunity that maybe I can progress to a different way of thinking or open my eyes to something I haven't seen before. And um, that's what Mike did for me. And that's why I think that decision-making process and the understanding that Alex can say, you know, the wall behind me is brown and I could say the wall behind me is white and I can listen to what he's saying and I don't have to be offended that we don't agree with each other and just try to come to a conclusion and make a decision somewhere in the middle or maybe he's right and I'm wrong uh, but it takes removal of your ego to do that that's so great. what about you what about you how that's a long-winded answer that no one really cares about as to who influenced me what about you how did What's wrong with you, I guess? <laughs> Who did this? Uh, well, I've, I've got a lot of people that have been uh, influential to me over the over the years. And of course, my career has been, been shorter. Um, so I've, I've been in the business now for about eight years. Um, and uh, I would say my number one mentor really was Daryl Stiles. Um, and that seems cheesy. I mean, he was my broker. And everybody knows that, that Daryl and I have always been extremely close. But... The reality is that he he's pushed me um, and believed in me every step of the way, but but never let me get um, to the point where um, I would disregard uh, the history of uh, of the industry or disregard another person's way of thinking. He always kept me in check with all of that, um, and so I have a lot of respect for Daryl. He also pushed me. Um, to get involved with the association um, and to consider management. And so, so Daryl's somebody that's been extremely influential to me and somebody else who's been in, there are a lot of people that have been really influential, but somebody that I know influences you a little bit too is, is, is Rob Curtis. I love talking to Rob um, and kind of, again, I, I like the getting the history I know that makes sounds like I'm calling them old, but hearing the the progression of the industry here locally um, over you know decades is is really interesting to me. I mean, these, these guys could write a a really fascinating book. I know that I, I I mean that. I think there there would be some really interesting stories these guys could tell uh, that, that we could all learn from. Um, so uh, those are those are two people of a of a long list really that that have been very influential to me. Absolutely. Another, another, oh, I'll say one more though, and this is, this is non-industry specific, but, um, people know that I'm, uh, uh I'm a musician and, uh, quite a few people know that uh, I'm an actor as well. And some of the training that I received, um, as an actor was from the William Esper studio, uh, of acting in, in New York city. 
And uh, I studied under William Esper's um, wife. William Esper has passed. Her name was uh, Suzanne Esper. Um, and she was incredible. And it doesn't seem like there should be that much overlap uh, between um, acting and real estate. Uh, but but I, I really do believe that a lot of the work that I did um, with that studio helped me to find myself and um, understand uh, who I was and um, under, it helped me develop a level of EQ that, that I don't feel like I had previously. Um, there are a lot of things that I learned. Of course, it's an extremely humbling experience to be on your own in New York City as well. Um, but uh, I, I really do feel like I, that that was a super influential uh, thing for me. Uh, there was a group of people that really changed the trajectory of the way that I thought about myself, thought about the way that I interact with other people. If you think about acting, really, it is just the study of interactions. And so that's something that um, I don't think I really ever considered until I was there. And I, I learned so much about sales. Uh, about working with other people and about my uh, self and my self-confidence um, going through that uh, program. So, Sure, that's understandable. And I would imagine, because I, I don't know how to act and I don't know how to sing, but uh, I, would, I would imagine that that opens you up probably to, I don't know how you, you naturally were previous to that, but it opens you up to not really being shy to, to speak your opinion or have conversations sure. with anyone. And you can kind of, while you can still genuinely be yourself, I would imagine that it allows you to be more of a chameleon as well. So you can, you can interact with someone that's completely different than you, different everything and, and get along with them and interact with them well. That's true. And I, I feel also like it's helped me learn how to consider how I would feel under somebody else's given set of circumstances. And that's something that I, I feel like uh, that's probably the biggest thing that it did for me. Um, which like I say, say, it sounds cheesy as hell, but that's, that's the reality. So <laughs> I, under, I understand. And, you know, I had mentioned obviously Mike Ferry and I agree with you as far as real estate's concerned. Daryl was, I didn't work directly with him. Like he wasn't directly over me, but Daryl Styles. every time I met him and interacted with him, both in the, within the company and association level, both state and local, uh, he was always very kind, listened to ideas. I mean, just the great guy and Rob Curtis, of course, everyone knows him. Um, <laughs> I, I think they do. And he's very similar attributes to Daryl and uh, both had a, a commitment to volunteering in the industry and doing things for the industry outside of the industry to go back or to relate to your piece before real estate. My, my complete thought processes have been upended twice. Mike Ferry did it once. And before that, my, my thought processes on everything was, were completely upended when I was in the military. You, I served under like Wesley Clark, who went on to run for, uh, tried to become president, General David Grange, who is, his father founded Ranger School. I mean, crazy high level leaders. Yeah. Um, and while I was a, a peon under them, I was in the first infantry division just to see how they operated and how they interacted with people and just how they were as human beings certainly taught me a lot moving forward as far as how I wanted to conduct myself um, 
now they didn't teach me anything about sales. So that's where, <laughs> that's where Mike Ferry came in. I had to learn about sales, but as far as um, the general aspects of how you want to conduct your life and how you present yourself, uh, certainly learned a lot from those guys. So that is it for this part one of our conversation between our 2022 KCRAR and Heartland MLS presidents. But you will definitely want to join us in two weeks for part two. Um, Michael and Alex have their own little take on a book bit in Bobby's absence. And Alex is going to talk a little bit about the role of the MLS as it pertains to policymaking, especially during this tight market where there's a little bit more pressure. And Michael is going to give his predictions for the housing market and how that's going to do in the upcoming year. So you definitely won't want to miss it. Join us on January 26th for that part two.